You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Playing Around podcast. We have Samantha Marks joining us again. Sam, thank you so much for hopping on the pod. I always have so much fun when you join me. Anytime, Paige. It's always a blast. Uh, It's so good to see your face. How are you? Good, good. Um, Just been traveling out, working a lot. But are you okay? Because isn't there a, a hurricane coming through? Yeah, it was supposed to be kind of going up the west coast of of the state. And now we woke up this morning and I think it's more so coming straight for us. So we'll see what happens. Um, we've lived through a lot of hurricanes here. I'm in Orlando, uh, but not one that's had a path like this in a really long time. So it's been interesting to kind of see the panic around town. Like there's no water anywhere. I'm like, you don't need 10 cases of water for one family. You don't. Um, but you know, it's just like the COVID buyouts of the publics all over again. So it's been interesting, but how do you even prepare for that? Because I, I've never lived in a hurricane state, so I don't know what that feels like. And I feel like I would be on the panic side of that. <laughs> I have so much anxiety. I would be like, I need to buy everything out. I need like toilet paper and water and all of these essentials. Um, I grew up in Colorado and so we would have blizzard weather and you would be snowed in for two weeks at a time, but I've never had to deal with a hurricane. How do you even prepare? It's similar, but the main things, you know, for me, especially with what I do, what you do is charging the portable chargers that you have for your phone and your computer and like hoping you're going to have Wi-Fi. Um, But basically it's like water, getting a bunch of ice, um, coolers, mostly to keep, you know, things cold in case the power does go out. But luckily I live right next to the police station and the fire station. So ideally if the power goes out, our zone should be one of the first ones to go back on. Um, but you know, it's luckily in my house, there's not a lot of windows. We don't have to worry about like, you kind of, you board your windows up and stuff more. If you're like in Tampa, like Tampa should kind of be a little worried right now. Um, but other than that, I mean, for us, it's just kind of making sure the power banks are full, making sure we have a fan. If the AC goes out, like things like that. And it's, it's the weirdest thing is how dark it gets when it storms. Like it'll be probably dark for the next like two, two and a half days. How does your dog handle it? 
I don't know. We're about to find out. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's typically fine with storms. Like she was fine during July 4th with the fireworks. So I feel like she's going to be fine. It's more so like when you can't take your dog outside to go to the bathroom. That's the interesting part. Um, but you know, we'll figure it out. We'll be fine. You have to buy like puppy pee pads. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know, try to put them by the door, but then you also don't want them to get used to doing that. So it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's a hard line, but you know, hopefully just everybody is safe. And as long as everybody is okay, then what's a little dog poop on the floor. <laughs> Well, you have to keep us updated. Um, we will be thinking about you and hopefully it's, it's not too bad and it'll be okay. Um, but we have a lot to talk about in this episode. So you were recently at a football game? I was. So, you know, I went to University of Arkansas and we, they play Texas A&M every year at Dallas Cowboys Stadium. And we went my, my senior year in college with my dad. It was so fun. My dad, my best friend in college. And then it was that same best friend's birthday this week and this past week. And she was like, come for the game. It'll be so fun. You know, especially now that both the teams were ranked. And so it was, I mean, it was a really big game. It was a, such a full stadium. It was crazy loud in there. Um, but it ended up being a little bit tragic because if anybody watched and saw the kicker for the Arkansas team hit not only the upright, but the top of the upright. Like it, like it literally hit the top of it. Like, I don't think he could do it again if he tried and lost by two. So, and then it took an hour to get out of the stadium since we drove in the parking lot. It was just, it was not the best ending <laughs> to the night, but um, yeah. And, and the AM fans are so annoying like possibly the most annoying fans ever. I still think it's a cult. I don't know how there were only probably 30%. The stadium was probably like 30%, 40% A&M fans, but they were making 100% of the noise. Yeah, I feel like they're an annoying fan base. I feel like college fan bases are the most annoying. There's a couple in professional, but for the most part, there's just something about college, especially football, that is just so annoying so I hate yeah. Notre Dame uh, my dad played football at Pitt so it, they just they rub me the wrong way and anytime I will talk shit about them online they get so incredibly defensive and it's people who didn't even go to Notre Dame they, they didn't <laughs> even attend Notre Dame they like watch Rudy once and they're like I am a diehard Notre Dame fan and that's what gets me like I I am not, I don't care if people are bandwagon fans. It's when people get so incredibly defensive when they didn't even go to that school. They didn't even go there. So how do you feel when people say, like if I was talking about Arkansas and I said, we lost by two, how do you feel about that? I don't mind that. See, I don't, I don't mind that though. And that's why it's like, okay. weird. Like, I like when people have team spirit, but I don't like it when they get defensive and they didn't even go there or they're like, Oh, my cousin twice removed went to Notre Dame. So I'm a Notre Dame fan. I'm like that doesn't make sense to me, but I don't like when they're like, we won, but, but then when they lose, they take the we out of it. I don't like, yeah, that. I'm, I'm more okay with it in a college setting than I am with the professional sports. I'm like, you are not an Atlanta brave. Like you might have been like, you might've gone to university of Georgia. You might be a bulldog. Like, that's okay. You can say we, but like, who is, are you on the team? Are you like with professional sports and people will be like, yeah, Dallas Cowboys. Like we, we, we won this week. I'm like, you didn't do shit. 
I don't know. It just, that's something that one of my pet peeves, but I was just curious your thoughts on that. Is the difference because you went to the school and you like know the team more because you interact with them or like, what's the difference? Why I don't know. Maybe. College, but not for professional. I don't know. Probably because you like lived on campus or like you have more of an allegiance to that yeah. school. Like you identify as that school, you know, it's a big part of your life. Whereas I don't know, maybe that's a hot take, but we love a, we love a good hot take. How was Arkansas as a like sports school? So I've never been on campus. Uh, I don't even think I've been to Arkansas. Yeah, it was actually pretty cool. There's in the surrounding area, you know how there's like the metro areas that have like a few different cities. There's like a million people in that little area. So it's a lot bigger than people would think. It's where Walmart is based. It's where a couple other big like transportation companies are based. Tyson Foods is there. So it's a lot. People are like, oh, you know, Arkansas, lots of farms. And I mean, yeah, they're right. But like we do like Arkansas has a school, like a school of chicken. You can major in chicken, literally. And so there are lots of weird things like that. But as far as the town goes, it was really fun. And as far as sports goes, um, if you think about it, it's really one of the only states where there's no pro teams. And Arkansas is pretty much the it's largely the biggest D1 school. There's a couple more, but they're not as big, especially with athletics. So anywhere you go, you know, everyone breathes the Razorbacks. It's not like there's multiple schools that people yeah. cheer for in the state or multiple teams or other professional sports. So that's what was cool about it for us. Did you take any chicken classes? No, I did not take any chicken classes. I did take a wine class, which was pretty cool. They had a lot of cool food science classes because of the food school there, but no chicken classes for me. Maybe I should have. You should have. I got completely shafted with doing all of the fun classes because I transferred. So I went to University of Arizona and then I transferred to San Diego State. And University of Arizona is more like a college town because you're, like, you're in Tucson. Um, it's a really far drive to get to watch like the Cardinals or any of the other teams there, the Coyotes. And that had that atmosphere. But then in San Diego, there's so much to do there that and the the football stadium wasn't on campus that no one went to the games, it just didn't have that same feel. Both were fun in different ways. But I mm -hmm. almost prefer the college town atmosphere when you're there because it's, it's just so much fun. Like you go to the games and like it, it, you just feel like close knit community within San Diego, it was very separated. Um, but when I transferred, I was taking all upper division classes at U of A because I just wanted to like get it out of the way. And then I wasn't allowed to do that since I was transferring as a sophomore, they didn't count them. And so those upper division classes counted as my elective. So I didn't get to take any electives at SDSU. And you had to work for those electives too. <laughs> oh, it was I... so annoying. The strangest elective I took, this pot is going in a direction, which it always does. But um, I took a walking class my senior year and you literally like showed up. walking class? Nope, just walking. Like a one hour class where she would tell you, you know, walk to here and back and then you're done for the day. <laughs> Seriously, that was a class. I would do that for sure. I love a good walk. The weirdest class I took was this class on dragons. So it was a class on like mythical creatures. And so you would learn what? about all of these dragons. So it'd be like the Tibetan dragon was in uh, some foreign region of this country and they love apples and these are their 
It was a fucking lecture class my freshman year at U of A. And it was unbelievable. And so we'd have like these textbooks with like pictures of dragons and like what they like to eat, what their powers are, where they were located. And yeah, we just had to like memorize all of these dragons. Well, I will say it's been several years and you still remember a lot. I remember (laughs) that dragon (laughs) likes apples. Like I learned nothing in college, but I will never forget that. There you go. Hey, that education was worth it then, wasn't it? Was worth it. Definitely worth it. Uh, we got to talk about the President's Cup, though, because that happened this last weekend, and it was as boring as expected. Um, the format was just kind of blah. Uh, nothing really exciting happened. We were trying to make it into something singles day where they were storing back just slightly, but it felt like we were trying to make it interesting, and it just it just wasn't. It, it, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like a Ryder cup. It wasn't like a major. It just, just kind of was on and it was there and I was following it here and there, but it just didn't have that same atmosphere as some of the bigger events. Yeah. It was really crazy. I watched, you know, the first nine holes or so on um, the first day. And then I checked Twitter and it's like, well, this is over. This is over. Like that was fun. I'm like, I mean, and then it got a little bit closer than we thought it would be on the last day, you know, 17 and a half to 12 and a half, like is, it's a win, but it's not the biggest blowout ever. Like, especially after what we saw, you know, the first few holes on the first day. So I was pretty surprised with how the, you know, the international team tried to come back in the singles day, like you said, but I just think the star power was so much bigger on the, on the U S team, of course. Um, But there were some, um, you know, there was some play that I was impressed with. Who were you most impressed with on the U S team? I would say, I was, I most enjoyed watching Max Homa get fired up. Obviously he won the week before, which he had that momentum going in, which was really fun. Um, Tony Finau called him Superman. I don't know about all that, but I really liked watching him because I feel like he has such a cool, calm demeanor most of the time. And then, and then, you know, watching him do his thing and get really pumped up was fun. He has one of the best fist pumps in golf. Yeah. Such a good fist pump. But the conversation around Max Homa is really fascinating to me because they talk about him like he is this underdog, like he's trying to prove himself, like he's just about to break through, but he's broken through. Like he is a multiple winner on the PGA tour. Um, He's a contender week in and week out. I think maybe once he gets the major win, then the conversation will change. But even when he was playing so well, it was almost like a surprise to a lot of people on golf social media. And it's like, no, like Max is a stick. Like he's a really solid player. And I don't know if it's because of, how people know him originally by gaining followers through social media. And it wasn't really as much through his golf game, but he's, he's one of the best players, one of the best players right now in the world. And I just don't feel like people talk about him in that way. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because it does make him so relatable and he is relatable and people just like to feel like they're rooting more for an underdog, but it's just a really interesting conversation around Max and how people talk about him. It is. And I feel like you're, you nailed it. And I feel like it's time for people to start taking him seriously. It's time for him to be, you know, one of the main topics in on, you know, golf central the night before the first round, like he's just not talked about in that manner as much like you said. And I think it's, I think it's definitely time. 
Do you think that it's a disadvantage for players to show more of their personality on social media because it makes them look like less of a threat because he has this personality that is really approachable and friendly when you compare that to someone like a peak Tiger Woods, who is really closed off a bit icy, never really let anyone in. But Max is very much the opposite and kind of shares, you know, funny tidbits in his life. And I think that's helped him gain so many fans. But do you think that kind of holds him back as people seeing him as a true competitor? Um. I mean, I think it's great for us, right? Like yeah. it's great for the fan to be able to get more of an insight to his life, what's going on. And we I think we talked about this last time on the pod is that it, that really all started during COVID when those players had nothing else to do. And Phil Mickelson was posting videos, sleeping on his couch, like that, just that kind of insight into the players' lives is what they were doing to kind of keep themselves in the conversation. And now Max just kind of like kept that going. And while I think that it might not make him look as hard and intimidating. I still think that's his brand. I don't think he's ever, I don't think he wants to give off that cold peak Tiger Woods, like you said, where some guys do, you know, I'll look at an Instagram page of a player and be like, you haven't posted anything but sponsored posts since you become a PGA Tour (laughs) player. Like that's not going to gain you a ton of fans. Whereas if you're really more of a human being tweeting like, funny stuff or real thoughts like Max does people like Scott Stallings, you know, tweet random stuff like that too. And I think that that gets people to like them more, but I don't think that, I don't know. I don't think that being, you know, a card, a cold, hard player is necessarily a must in this case. Yeah. I, and I agree with that too. Um, I don't think it holds him back, but I think that's why people were so surprised when he showed yeah. this very fiery competitiveness, because that's not a side of him that a lot of people know. Uh, I have seen it firsthand because I have played with him before and he gets really fired up. He is super intense on the golf course more than most players I've ever seen. And so I have seen both sides of it. So it wasn't surprising for me to see him get really into it and get fired up. But it was great for everyone else to like see that and have that conversation around him. Of course, it's always fun watching the teams together. I think, you know, Jordan and Justin are just a dynamic duo and they just work so well together. And it's fun watching them now because they were teammates back in like junior rider cups and they have been like best friends for such a long time. And to see them continue to keep that friendship and to work well together is, I think it's great. Uh, how do you feel as the number one Jordan hater in the world? Okay. <laughs> I get DMs about this all the time. People will be like, I heard that you're the number one Jordan speed hater of all time. I'm like, God, Paige, thanks. Um, but no, I will say I loved watching Jordan and Justin together. I think they, I think they're what like team USA, if there was a billboard, like that's who it would be. If there was going to be a team on it, you know, a, a foursomes team or something like that, it would be those two just because of how, you know, well they present themselves in the media for the most part, JT eh, here and there. But, um, you know, for the most part, they're both like polished, good looking American, like team USA guys. And that was just really cool to see them together. Like you said, knowing the history that they have together. But I will say I was looking up some stuff earlier today. Did you know that Jordan Spieth has played in eight cups, Ryder Cup and President's Cup combined? And this is the first time he's earned a full singles point in any eight of those cups. That's insane. I had no idea. Yeah. So he's had some and he's lost some, but this is the first time 
he actually won a full point. He went five and zero this weekend. So he played his ass off. I mean, he was holding long putts, chipping in like it was it was fun to watch for sure. Um, but I think I think that those two definitely have some cool history and, you know, all the pictures of them together in AJGA events, like it just kind of gives them a little bit of like, like humanizes them a little bit to the, to the fan, like you were saying about Max Homa. Um, but do we even want to go down the Kevin Kisner path? I think we have to talk about it because <laughs> I was think I was thinking about this like long and hard the other day because there was no reason for him to be on the team playing wise. If you look at his, even his team stats aren't that great. Like he just is always picked to be on the team. And the question is how important is team chemistry? Like, do you need someone like a Kevin Kisner to be on the team to like bring team morale up? Because obviously they don't need any help uh, on the playing side, but in the locker room. And obviously he made a comment about partying, which we'll get into in a second, but how important is having someone like a Kisner on the team? Does it really make that much of a difference? I think it makes a difference as far as, you know, creating the experience for the fan and creating a fun weekend for the guys as well. But I mean, he can putt, we know that, but he's not long enough for a course like Quail Hollow. And they should have, they should like Ray Charles can see that. I mean, he can party and give some great one-liners at press conferences, but otherwise he was so forgettable this weekend. And I mean, if he, if he wants to be on the team, and then maybe he should be like the team beer guy. Like maybe there's a different space for him. And not like you said, not that Team USA really needed him play-wise to begin with. But imagine if they did, yeah. right? And like then he was the guy who didn't perform because he wasn't long enough. And then it was like, I don't know. I just feel like he could be like he's kind of like, you know how Bubba Watson and Ricky Fowler are like always on the 18th green, like waiting for the champion. Like he's kind of like that. Like he's just kind of there and he's always there to like party and have a good time. But like, what else is he really doing? He could be an assistant. Like he could be yeah. the assistant captain on every single team moving forward. Cause it seems like the guys do want him there and they do really like him. But even the guys were giving him shit for not being like, not showing up basically for playing and not being televised. He was just kind of there, but he did make a comment that these are like the best golfers that he has ever seen, but the worst partiers. How do you feel about golfers and their rank among other sports when it comes to how hard they party? Man, I don't know. But I mean, you got to look at that team and think about like, what do those guys have in common besides like golf and maybe to talk about college football? They're all 5'10". <laughs> no! <laughs> that that was the best joke I've ever heard you tell. But um. Yeah, that too. Um, I don't know. Like, I just feel like, yeah, you can drink together with someone, but like, I don't know how fun it would be if I got together with a bunch of people. I didn't really have anything to talk about either. Yeah. And I'm like thinking back to college and when I think of like the fun college party houses, swimming was number one always. Um, they really it was insane. The swimmers were crazy, crazy, like far and beyond, like professional partiers. It was another level. They would drink like fishes. Like it was crazy. So it was swimming number one. Hockey was always up there. And then 
football always had the best parties, but the guys never got like sloppy. And then same with basketball. So they were kind of the same. Uh, baseball players claimed to party really hard, but they always got kind of sloppy. And it was the golfers. So the golfers never had anyone else really come to their parties. And so it was just them partying by themselves. And uh, fun fact, Xander Shoffley actually had the party house back in SDSU. And they had like a perfect house for it. And um, Austin, who's his caddy, they were roommates. And there were two other people there too. And um, yeah, so they were always the party house, but it never, it was always like, 15 people like it was like the men's golf team and the, the women's golf team and that was about it <laughs> like nothing else really happened um but they would always just like just not do much like it, they thought they were partying so hard and it, they just really weren't they weren't but I can't say much because because I got a little white girl wasted one too many times at that party house. <laughs> That's so funny that you say that though, because at Arkansas it was one hundred percent baseball. Like, and there were multiple different baseball party houses, and they party hard and they knew it, which was annoying. If you know what I mean, like yeah. it was. I wish they didn't because then they knew it was going to be a fun time. But um, other than that, yeah, I would say the golf parties were always just us. So that is. That is pretty accurate there as well. Baseball had the best jungle juice by far. Fair, but the golf houses had better drinks. True, because they're all little like rich boys. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Hey, call it how you see it, you know. I remember, so I can't say who it is because I'll be pissed, but this like famous golfer um, (laughs) used to get wasted on the weekends and he would call me so we were really good friends and he would be like telling me how he was trying to get into these football parties and he couldn't get in and so he was like trying and trying and trying and trying he could never get in and like once he got kind of famous like he would go to like all these like um he'd get like boxes at the football games and all this stuff and I'm like it's so bad it is so bad like you're doing that now but I, I I agree with Kisner I just I just don't think they really know how to like throw down yeah, I, yeah. I mean, if if that's what Team USA needs to like look a little more fun, then they can have Kevin Kisner. That's fine. I'll take the L. Well, the the international side had Tom Kim though, who was the superstar of the Presidents Cup. Did you see my tweet about his name? No, I did. I I missed that one. So his real name is Ju Young, J O O H Y U N G, or something like that. But when he was little, he was like, oh, that's like, I don't like that name. It's too complicated. So he liked Thomas the Tank Engine. So just called himself Tom. Like, that's a true story. I'm not even making that up. And he almost went with Buzz because of Buzz Lightyear. Can you imagine Buzz Kim? Oh, my God. How epic would that be? Tom Kim is epic enough. Buzz Kim would have been. Too much for the world to handle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Too much. No, he was so much fun. He had so much joy. And I think the reason people gravitated towards him because there's been so much talk about money and golf and playing for money or playing for the love of the game. And I think that it has been such a big subject of discussion. And to see Tom Cam just have so much joy playing this game and not even trying to look cool when he was celebrating, just honestly having these most like raw reactions to these amazing moments was just so infectious and you couldn't help but root for him. And you couldn't help but like him because he was so incredibly genuine, which I feel like is something that has been missing a little bit within golf with all of this live PGA tour talk. 
Yeah, I, I felt the same way. And I felt like it was almost like we were on some kind of live stream when he was like playing with his friends. Like, I feel like he plays and acts that exact same way, you know, on an off week with his friends versus this week. I just felt like he didn't give a shit about anybody being there. This is how he is. And I feel like that genuine genuinity, is that a word? Like was really important for the team, considering that was pretty much the only thing we talked about from the international team. So thank God for talking because otherwise we would have had nothing, nothing to talk about all weekend with the international team. So I think he, and he, you know, like we were talking about with Max Homa, you act a little bit more personable. You act a little bit more likable. I mean, granted, he's not even acting. I think that's how he is, but he's gained a lot of fans this weekend because he was just being himself and being genuine. And I think that that's, really great for him and i mean i can't wait to watch him this season i think he's off to you know a great start this year you're a growing business which means you need every spare hour you can find that's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in slack slack is where work happens with all your people data and information in one ai powered place start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites or build an automation with workflow builder to take routine tasks off your plate no coding required grow your business in slack visit slack.com to get started getting ready to take on spring Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So a lot of people were talking about a format change and what's been going around social media a ton is having women participate in the president's cup, which I think would be fantastic. I would love a mixed team event and I think it would make it more competitive because it's just not fun watching something that's not head to head, especially when it's supposed to be a team competition and the international team was honestly pretty solid. But when you look at the Ryder cup, I think it's going to be even it's going to be even worse for the guys. You have more European players on the live tour. And what are like, what are they going to do? Because the U S team is so incredibly strong that I feel like you need the women in there to actually make this more competitive and to make it more interesting to watch. We love the, the same, you know, Justin and Jordan and, and, uh, Shoffley and Cantlay. And we love these teams, but it's like, how cool would it be to have JT and Jessica Corda or the Corda sisters or mix them up? Like, I think that would be absolutely electric to watch. And I think more people would enjoy it. That's what I was seeing all over. Everyone was like, I want a mixed team event. I want the president's cup to be mixed team. 
I couldn't agree more. And I feel like every podcast I've ever been on, we talk about this in some form or fashion. And I, I just find it hard to believe that it still feels like we're so far away from that becoming a reality, considering it's what everybody's talking about right now. And I feel like it's really important, not only for the reasons that you mentioned too, but you know, as women, we want to, you know, up the women's game and make it more popular, get those purses to be bigger, get more prime time coverage. And that would happen faster or more, or, you know, whatever you want to say about it, if there was more awareness about the women on the tour that weren't just the Florida sisters and Danielle Kang, which we'll get to in a minute. But like, I think if you have them alongside the guys, there's going to be a lot more awareness of those girls, you're going to want to start watching them more. And I think that's an important piece of it, too, that I really hope that we're close to that in some fashion. It doesn't have to be the President's Cup. It can be called the Mixed Cup for all I care. But I think it's it's an important thing that needs to happen in the sport. And I don't know why we're not doing it yet. I feel like we as fans and viewers of golf want to see certain things. And a lot of us are very vocal about it. And it's like, why aren't these organizations listening and hearing what we have to say and making those changes. And then you look at the lift tour and they're actually implementing those changes. And it's like these other organizations need to just be a little bit faster because I really think that the live is looking at this and they have the Aramco events and they're probably going to do a mixed team event very soon because it's what people want. And they've done that with shorts. They've done that with music. They've done that with so many changes and I hope that they're not the first ones to do it. And I hope that we can work faster on this and we can get it done because there are so many amazing players, um, female players that I would love to see a mixed team event. And I hope they just do it, just get it done. Like who cares about the formality of it? Like just announce it and then figure it out. Like you're smart people, figure it out. You can get it done. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, how fast live kind of got up and running and how fast they're doing all these things that we talk about shorts, music, like you said. And I think that it's proving to the fans, which is why we're still talking about it, that it can be done in a timely manner. So we're like, now we're even more annoyed because it's not being taken seriously. Right. Um, And so, like you said, I don't know who's going to be the first one to do it at this point. I'll take it, you know, from whoever gives it to us, but Um, I think it, I think it's a must right now within the next few years, for sure. Speaking of women golfers, we have to talk about Danielle Kang. So she had a tumor on her spine and she has been struggling with this for a very long time. She's taken, um, a ton of time off. She recently came back and had an amazing run in her last tournament. And it was such an inspirational story and one that honestly wasn't, talked about, I feel that much because can you imagine having a tumor on your spine and, and having to overcome that, that that's just incredible what she has done and and really inspirational. Yeah, it really is. And I remember seeing one of the first things she posted about it on Twitter and Instagram and her being like, I think she said almost exactly like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't have any answers right now. Like I just have to take some time off and try to figure it out. You got to imagine being in that position. Like that's got to be so scary as a professional athlete with something going on with your spine, that's going to require pretty serious surgery. Anything, I mean, any surgery is serious, but any surgery near your spine is like very scary. And I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like you're right that it wasn't talked about enough. And it was really cool to see her, you know, be in contention this weekend um, in Arkansas. And um, because she, I don't know if you remember, but she won at the beginning of this year. And then it kind of like 
not went downhill because it didn't go downhill. It just like kind of came out of nowhere. And um, it was just since June that she's been dealing with this. And this this tournament was her third start since she's taken, um, you know, those several that that time off. So it's been it was very nice to watch. I think she's a great you know role model for LPGA and you know the kids growing up. And I think uh, hopefully she's feeling better and is hopefully on the other side of it. Yeah, we will always be cheering for Danielle Kang. But you you played in that event, right? Back in the day? I did. So at Arkansas, which is where I played, um, they so it was the Walmart Northwest Arkansas Championship, which was like 30 minutes from campus. Um, and at the whenever the tournament was so like September, however you whatever the standings were on the team, just purely score average, the first player got a sponsor's exemption. And then the next two players, or maybe it might've been three players got Monday qualifying spots. And I was a second on the team at the time. And so I got to play in the Monday qualifier, which was so fun. Cause there was, that's a really like tight knit community. Like I was saying before with Arkansas, is they kind of rally around the, the yeah. events that they do have. Cause there's, there's not many. Um, and so I played in the Monday qualifier shot 71 and one, and I was like, okay, hello. Um, I mean, I missed, I missed the cut in the event, but it was, it was so cool playing in the event where like you're the college kid from the hometown who made it, you know? Um, and, you know, I played alongside, you know, Gabby Lopez is on the team with me that year. And she's now obviously doing great on the LPGA tour of one, three times. Um, but it's been, it was really cool. It was a really awesome experience. And I feel like, um, that course was so difficult and watching it every year. I'm like, God, I don't, I, I was, I was not very long in college. I mean, I was, I was average, but definitely not as long as the girls are now. And yeah. so, you know, I was having, and I don't believe in five irons, which is a whole other topic. So I have this like 25 yard gap between like my six iron and my hybrid that I refuse to fill. And so, you know, playing those longer courses was always a gamble, but it was really fun. How do you hate five irons? It looks like a butter knife, man. Like, how are you going to hit that? Honestly? Strong agree with that. I hate my five iron more than anything. I have never been a great long iron player and I don't know why, but they, they do. They just look terrible. Like I won't play a four iron. I don't know how people hit three irons. No. It's just, it baffles my mind. I switched from having a hybrid and a four iron. I was going back and forth and I ended up just saying, fuck it. I'm getting a seven wood from club champion. Yeah. So if you are unsure about what clubs you want to use in your bag, head over to club champion and they will fit you for the best setup that works for you. So again, you can use my code page and head over to club champion. Yeah, it was, I mean, I used a six hybrid at my senior year of high school. I used to hit that thing. Great. But then that looks like a sand wedge. So it's like, how are, how does this and this go the same distance? Like, I don't, I don't understand. But anyway, I would pretty much, I would, I always had the five iron in the bag in college, but it literally, it looked brand new compared to all my other irons. I like never hit it. My grip is like, I have super tacky, like sticky grips and all my other ones are a bit like worn down. My five iron is like never been touched. You can like, it sticks off your hand. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't hit that. And I never practice it. I will never, ever grab a five iron and just practice my five iron. No, I do like a six iron though, which is interesting because it's like only a few degrees difference, but that's, you know, us golfers and our psychotic issues. So. I know, right. So Sam, have you ever cheated before in your life? know where this is going no I have not how about in chess <laughs> how about in chess 
Okay, I cannot wait to tell the story. So Sam texts me this morning, we were talking about topics and she's like, I have a story for you. So Sam, bless us with this amazing story. Okay, so one of my friends texted me about this this morning and was like, have you guys heard of the cheating scandal in chess? And I was like, oh, it's probably like, you know, someone's cheating on his wife or whatever. Like, cool, Adam Levine does that. It's not a new thing. (laughs) And, And so then I looked it up. Oh, no, no, no. This is bad. Okay. So Magnus Carl Carlson is the good guy. Just keep note of that as you're listening to this. Neiman is the bad guy. And they were playing each other in this tournament called the Sinkfield Cup. And Carlson, the good guy, was undefeated in 53 games. And so he was playing white, which is apparently the advantage of chess. And he gets to move first. But Neiman was kind of acting a little sketchy, like he wasn't at all nervous, like wasn't, you know, taking on this guy who's won so much, he didn't really seem to give a shit. So Carlson resigned, basically withdrew from the from the match, even though there were six rounds left, which has like never happened. So then everybody on Twitter was like, what's happening? And Carlson, the good guy, posted a tweet saying, if I speak, I'm in big trouble. Okay, sus. So then many assumed that he thought that the other guy was cheating. Then um, chess.com, which is the biggest online chess platform, the more you know, confirmed they had removed Neiman for cheating from the online chess website. Okay. So then it's like, all right, kind of confirmed that this is like a thing. He's not just making it up. And as the allegations, you know, kind of kept coming out and were kept talking about it, he admitted to cheating online on two, chef- two separate occasions, but denied ever cheating what they call over the board. So never like, you know, physically in a chess game with somebody else. How do you which is physically wi- cheat in a chess game? I don't know. But it was widely like cheating over the board is like a much more serious offense, okay. which I don't understand. I mean, okay, fine. But then he was like, I'll play naked to prove it to you guys. Right? <laughs> I know. I really didn't text you the whole story. And so he said, I don't care. I know I'm clean. If you want me to play in a closed box with no electronic transmission, I don't care. I'll play naked. I'm here to win. Luckily, that never happened. But then the rumors start swirling. And on Reddit, chess people were posting that maybe Neiman used supercomputers inside anal beads to communicate the best moves to him via vibration, which he like will not confirm or deny. So that's kind of where we're at, except Carlson refuses to ever compete against him again. And it's pretty much like if Patrick Reed beat Tiger Woods in a match by like shoving a sandwich up his ass. So I guess we need to stay tuned for the used chess facts Twitter account because it's coming. You told me that story and I was just like, what? Is it like one vibration move left? Like two is like, maybe is it Morse code where it's like, yeah. I mean, think about how that's got, that's like so much work and you have to like, that's why I think he was like, I'll play naked, but then that never happened, but it might. I don't know. It's this very big, very big talk in the world right now. And it's cheating. And it's not about Patrick Reed. And I wonder how the other guy know too. Like, was he like, like moving, you know, like by (laughs) little things like here and there. Not the body movement. The body movement. The body moves it. You're just getting a little too excited. I mean, honestly, though, like Queen's Gambit was such a huge series. We do need a follow up season. I think this is exactly, exactly what we need. It's a perfect storyline for it. I agree. I can't wait. And I can't wait to see what happens next time. But yeah, Carlson was like, I'm never playing him again. I refuse any tournament he enters. I won't play. I have so many questions. 
how was there someone watching from and then apparently he was just like playing too good like and that's a thing in chess I guess really but but what shocks me is that there, I mean I guess when I forget that there's like other corners of the internet that aren't golf twitter and then when I read it and it was like chess subreddit users and I'm like can these people get a life and I'm like they probably say the same thing about no golf <laughs> That's an amazing story. You're going to have to keep us updated on that because the world needs to know. The world needs to know. What an interesting way to cheat. Yeah. And I mean, to not confirm or deny it, I mean, doesn't that pretty much mean you did it? A hundred percent. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. So we're going to do some TNA to wrap up this episode. I haven't done TNA in a little bit. So we put some questions up on Twitter and also on the playing around Instagram account, and we are going to answer them. The first one is which celebrity would you like to play golf with? I mean, I feel like the cop out answer is Tiger Woods, but um, if we're going like celebrity, that's not a golfer. Um, Maybe Tom Brady. That'd be cool. I've been lucky enough to actually play with a lot of celebrities that I've wanted to play with. Um, I've played with Nick Jonas a couple of times. I played with my miles Teller recently at the ACC championship. I uh, played with Justin Timberlake and Mark Wahlberg. I played with Chris Pratt. And uh, I mean, I, I've been so, so lucky that I've played with a lot of them and they're all really cool. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I would love to play with tiger. I think that's just something that, I mean, I would love to do. Hmm. Steph Curry seems really fun to play with. I would like to play with him. I think that would be a good Yeah, one. I think it would. It's like it's I always take these questions too literally. And I'm like, so do we just get to play golf or do we get to like talk about other stuff too? Because if we get to like talk about other stuff too, then maybe it would be like Mark Cuban and I could like talk to him about business and like entrepreneurship and stuff like that. Or like, I don't know. But yeah, we'll probably say Tom Brady. Tom Brady would be fun. I mean, we watched him on the match like 10 times. He does seem like a lot of fun. Yeah, ripping his pants and everything. How close have you come to being hit by an errant shot from another golfer? Oh, like right by my foot? I have, I've never been hit. I have never, no, been, I've hit. never been hit. I've never been hit. I've heard some horror stories. One of uh, this couple I know, this guy was playing golf and he said four and she was hiding behind a tree and she didn't quite hear what he said. And so she went out to look at the golf ball, see where the golf ball is. And it nailed her right in the eye. No. Yeah. It was horrible. I once hit my mother 
on I purpose. hit my mom too. That's what I was about to say. Yours was yours on purpose. Mine was. Oh, that took a turn. Paige, what? <laughs> so I was in the bunker and my mom doesn't know golf. And I was like a snot nosed 13 year old kid when this happened. And she put me on this down slope and with a short side pin, she said, you can't leave unless you get 10 with inside a two foot circle. And it was impossible. Like it was literally impossible. And I was there for about two hours and she was walking away to get the golf balls. And I, I like nailed her in the back and she turned around. She looked at me and I'm like, my bad. I didn't mean to do that. And she's like, I know you meant to do that. <laughs> that is so funny. Mine was definitely an accident. I was doing, you know, when you're like on the range, you just kind of like move your club back and forth like this. I don't know. I was just doing it being stupid. I was probably like 12 or so. And one of the balls was in the way and she was standing right behind me. And I mean, I hit that thing so hard. I'm pretty sure there's still dimples in her shin. Like I hit her <laughs> just square in the shin and there was dimples on her leg for a while. I'm sure they're not there anymore, but that's brutal. yeah, I've never actually never gotten hit. So, Okay. Do you have any friction with other influencers or women in the same platform? So in the same industry, um, do we have any beef with any other people in our industry? Um, there are people that have talked shit about me that I remember and I won't work with. And I've only been kind of vocal on like one or two girls, but I would say that m- there's a good portion of them that I just don't associate with. I don't talk to because of things that I've heard. And I don't know if that's just like the golf world being gossipy and petty and what's true and what's not true. But a lot of them do talk shit about me and I don't appreciate that. So I keep my circle really, really small and I don't really interact with a lot of people in the golf influencer space. And I, I just never really have, there's some that I really, really like, and I think are really good people, but I think that golf, the golf industry can be highly clicky. And if you're not with like the in crowd, then they won't like promote you. They won't try to do stories on you. They won't include you in anything. And the funny part is that it's, it's, they try to make this as like the, such an empowering space of women in golf and they will actively not include you in certain things. And it's just like a little mean girl club sometimes. Yeah, I definitely agree that it, it's definitely clicky ish, especially with, you know, like the different organizations or the different kind of circles or the playing people who play versus people who don't or like, you know, things like that. I personally don't have any beef with anybody because I don't really, I mean, I'm kind of in golf media, but like, I just tweet sometimes. I'm not really like in it that much, but I would say from what I've seen, like, you know, what we've talked about before is a lot of it for, you know, people talking about you is them not taking you seriously. And that's what I don't fuck with. Like who are, you know, like on what grounds do you, are you not going to take Paige seriously? Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think a lot of it, which is so interesting to me is that I don't really do anything different than a lot of the professional golfers they're posing in bikinis and you know guys playing golf drunk with you know their swimsuits on like I don't really do anything I feel like that is so outrageous compared to a lot of other people but because I I didn't achieve enough on the golf course then I'm hold to a little bit of a different standard and then a lot of influencers uh, have followed exactly what I do and it's really (laughs) like 
I didn't do it on purpose. I'm sorry. It's supposed to be about body positivity, not (laughs) cleavage. Page of skanks coming soon. Yeah, but they don't even (laughs) like me either. So it's like, (laughs) I'm like all alone on an island with uh, Sam. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, pretty much. The next question is, um, can you see yourself having kids one day? I played a pro-am yesterday and it's funny because I played with these girls for six, seven years now and a lot of them have babies. So like Cheyenne Woods, she was playing and she has a kid in uh, Belen. She uh, is pregnant now. And we were talking and I was like, it's so funny because I will be somewhere and someone's like, oh, do you have children? I'm like, oh, no, I'm a baby. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, like I, I'm actually getting older. Like this is something I have to start thinking about. And Cheyenne was saying, she's like, it just, it just happens. Like you're not ready for it. And then like, She's like, sometimes I'm like, I can't believe I'm a mother. Like, I still feel like a child myself, but I think someday I do want to have kids, but I think that's way, way, way down the road for me. It's kind of crazy. Like you said, too, is I usually get offended when people ask me that, but then it's like, I am of that age. Like I have friends with two and three children. Oh, no. Like maybe let's, they don't know me. Like they're not trying to be me. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's always interesting though, just, you know, everybody's different timelines. I mean, if you were with somebody since high school or since college, like that's a pretty realistic timeline to have a kid or two by now, you know? So I think it's interesting, but our kids in the cards for me, I, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. I think that they're, they're just always there, man. Like they're just, you know. I don't know. It kind of freaks me out a little bit. I know. I think about how much like a pain of an ass I am in my, for my parents. And I'm like, and I'm, and I'm literally almost 30. Like I'm not self-sufficient. Like I am still a burden on their life. And I'm like, (laughs) I want a a me in my life. No, literally like you can't do, like you can't leave it alone or it dies unless you give it like sandwiches and water. That's scary. (laughs) It is scary. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. Next question. Next question. Would you date someone that you're better at in golf? Yes. Every person I've dated. (laughs) Yeah. What kind of question is that? I think it's so, here's an interesting point to that topic because I feel like this is brought up a lot in like, you know, who I date or relationships I'm in. And I talk about it with my parents. Some is like, oh, you like you, because my last boyfriend played golf seriously too. And that almost wasn't as fun for me. Because I don't want to have to play out my ass every time we play. Like I want to, I think it's important for everybody. My point being, I think it's important for everybody in the relationship to like have their thing. And I don't think it, it always has to be the same thing. If that makes sense. Yeah. So like, makes if perfect I'm sense. A, like if I'm a good golfer, that doesn't mean he has to be a good golfer. Like, can we work on his swing and like have go out and have fun? Yeah. But that doesn't mean we have to go out and like, hate each other and not talk to each other for nine holes to you wins the match. Like that's not really healthy either. So like, I think it's for me who doesn't like taking golf seriously. I think that it's better to date non-golfers, athletic people with who can like at least hit the ball, but not good golfers. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense because I get this question a lot, but it's almost like the opposite of this question. It's would you only date a good golfer? 
And mm. no. So I have dated good golfers and you're right. It's exhausting because it's like always a competition. And every time you go out, it's a match and it's not fun. And like that dynamic can be fun once in a while, but it's just not every single time. And especially when they're obsessed with it and with what we do, I felt in past relationships that they almost only wanted to be with me because of golf and giving yeah. them product and giving lessons and uh, anything. If I have an off day or if I'm on vacation, like I don't want to go play golf, like kill me. Yeah. I, I don't want to go play a fun round of golf three days out of a four day vacation. I don't want to do it. And so with my current boyfriend, he likes golf, but he's not, he's going to kill me. He's not that good at it. We love you. <laughs> he's not that good at it, but he never pushes me to go play golf with him. And so like he enjoys it, but he enjoys playing with his friends. And I'm like, you know what? You go do that. That's fine. And all of our interests are so different. And I think it actually works. Like he doesn't have social media. He likes reading. He likes wine. He likes all these other things that are things that I like normally weren't into. And it works like it works when you have these different interests and you try different things together. But uh, no. I, I, w I don't want to date a good golfer. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important, like you said, and it, it keeps it to where there's still stuff to talk about because at some point, like if your interests are all the same, like, what are you going to talk about? And yeah. I think my mom and my dad, you know, they have a really good relationship. Um, as far as golf goes, they both started playing, you know, when they met each other, they, neither of them played competitively is what I'm saying. And so now like my mom will play with her group and my dad will play with his group. And sometimes they'll play couples where they play on the same team, but they never like play against each other. Like, that's just not, that's not why they play and they play it to just have fun with themselves. And I think that that's the kind of, if it was, if I was going to be with somebody who is a golfer, that's what I would want it to look like. Yeah. When I'm older and retired, I want to go play those like fun little leagues with like my partner. I think that would be really fun, but it's like a hit and giggle. It's not this like serious yeah. thing. And it's not like every time you have free time, they want to go play golf and that's all they want to do. Cause that's just, that's just too much. Yeah, that's too much. It's funny because I think guys always say that they wish that they dated a girl who played golf. And I think that's true because they don't actually want to play golf. So you end up playing golf alone by yourself all the time because we don't want to go play anymore. We're sick of playing. We get it. And like, we won't bother you about it, but it's like, we don't want to go play with you. So you get like the best of both worlds. We can play when we want to, but we're not like up your ass about it. Have you seen the meme that's like, isn't it hilarious how guys invented golf so they could take walks together? <laughs> and it's, I find it so funny because like, you know, hot girl walks like got popular over COVID or people would go on walks, their friends, whatever. And that really is what golf is. Think about it. Yeah. They just like drink and walk together. Yeah. Like that's so cute that they call it that. Let me find one more good one. Let's start. Wait, let's do, I have one. And okay. I'm sure perfect. Somebody asked it. Yeah. Sanderson pick. What? The Sanderson this weekend. <laughs> oh, man. See, it just proves too much golf. You just can't keep up with it. Too much. Too too much much golf. Golf. Let me look. Who's even playing? Okay. So yes, the Sanderson Farms this weekend in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, the only person who's really playing of note is Sam Burns who won last year. Um, but otherwise it's a pretty weak field. I think if Sam Burns doesn't win, I think it's likely that we'll see maybe even a rookie win. It is the best tournament in golf. Don't forget about that. I can't believe you would forget about the Sanderson Farms. 
Um, but how is Sam Burns feeling after the president's cup, maybe physically and metaphorically hungover? They all seem very hungover. I mean, <laughs> Max Homa tweeted, I am unwell after the <laughs> win. So I think they're definitely feeling the hangover for sure. But yeah, I think so Sam Burns. Yeah. It, my thing was like, if not Sam Burns, um, I would go with JT Poston. I think he's, he's coming off his first trip to the tour championship. I think he has a lot of confidence right now. Obviously I love his caddy, Aaron Flenner, Flenner. I don't know how you say it. I think their relationship is cool to watch on social media too. I think they have a lot of fun. Um, JT Poston missed the cut last year, but I don't think, I think it can be overlooked because he was, it was within a string of eight missed cuts and then he went on to go to the tour championship. So I think it was just like a bad week for him. I think that he's comfortable here overall. And I think if Sam Burns isn't going to win, I'm going to go with JT Poston. I second that. Sam is the GOAT for actually doing her research. But we have breaking news as I was looking up the field. So Phil Mickelson, Taylor Gooch, Ian Poulter, and Hudson Swafford are no longer plaintiffs in the federal lawsuits against the PGA Tour. So what does that mean? That means they just pulled out like they they don't want to be involved in the lawsuit against them. So which is odd because Phil was basically the, the one to start all of this. So I think it was against them not being able to play both tours and they were going to sue them to be able to go back and forth. And now they have all pulled out. Right. But how can you pull out of a lawsuit that you started? That seems like that shouldn't be allowed. Phil said, I haven't done anything yet, but now that Liv is involved, it's not necessary for me to be a part of it. What? It's interesting. So I, I'm, I'm shocked that they are, that Phil has pulled out. That's huge. Yeah, that is, that is huge. I mean, that was, he was suspended in March, it said, for other, for other reasons, including attempting to recruit players. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder what that means for because didn't you, have you seen the timeline that said like nothing was really going to happen with it until like next year or the year after that? So I don't know if maybe they just were like annoyed with how long it was going to take. It wasn't going to be worth it anyway. They were hoping things were going to change by then maybe. I don't know. It could also be the fact that they don't want their personal lives to be fully exposed. So once you're involved in a lawsuit like that, they start digging into everything and people in your life and a lot will be exposed. And I can see someone like Phil wanting to stay more private and behind the scenes and just thinking it's not a risk that he wants to take. But it, again, the other guys, okay. But it, it's, so interesting that Phil has pulled out because he was the original architect of the case. Like he started mm -hmm. this, like he was the one who was pushing so hardcore for it. And so for him to pull out, there has to be something, which I'm sure we will find out in the coming days on how this develops, because this is a definitely a huge story in golf. Interesting. We love a breaking moment on the pod. We love a breaking moment. And on that, I think we will wrap the episode up. Sam, I want to thank you so much for joining us and hopping on. And if you guys want to ask us any more questions for future episodes, head over to the Playing Around Instagram account and follow us there. Also subscribe to the podcast. Rate us highly. Five stars would be preferred. Leave a nice review. Share it around. And we will catch you here next time. Thank you so much for listening. See ya. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every budget. 
body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings for the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com slash compatibility.